I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the DraftKings podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, congratulations on your Brian Harmon hit. That was a uh, that was a huge one for you. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, like you don't really get 175 winners too often, and they definitely don't come in major events. I mean, that, that odds was the one that was on Odds Checker on Monday, so the American readers got better value, whereas it was 110 to one over here, but we get like kind of like the eight places on each way turn. So either way, triple digit hit. Um, look, if, you, if you're being completely honest, when you put a player like that up at those prices, you're expecting them to challenge for the top eight, right? Like you're not necessarily thinking they're going to win. Um, I thought he could contend and that's why I put, that's why I bet him. I bet people that only think can place, but to think that he could do what he did over the weekend would have been pretty out of anyone's reach. Yeah. I mean, I thought there at times early in the tournament, I mean, I guess, I mean, not that it's crazy that I thought it, but I I didn't think he was going to win when it was Friday. And then, Saturday, I thought, was the day he would kind of go away. Um, and he started off kind of slow, but he rebounded. And then by the end of Saturday, it, it looked like it was going to be really tough to catch him. Um, and he just he played great. He deserved to win. It's nice to see the player who was the best player for the week win. Uh, and, and it was kind of funny seeing the fans all over him and all that stuff, which, again, I don't mind as much as some people do. Like I, I think the issue with it is, is like we're really pretentious over here and have a go at American fans for doing it. Yeah, I think we just we just don't like help ourselves because if we just sharp about what Americans do at golf courses, then then people would never go us. And like apparently it was like really bad. Like it was like get in the bunker. Like you're not going to do it. All these sort of things. Like instead of just like just trying like Europe or whatever. Like instead of just trying for the other players, they were literally attacking him and. I think a lot of it was the hunting thing and all those sort of things, which I just, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. just, I just don't care. Like it, it is Brian Harmon. Like if you don't know about Brian Harmon at this point, you never cared about Brian Harmon. So let's not pretend that you do now just because he was a hunter and he was won a major championship. Um, the guy was brilliant. Like I, I, the, the argument at the moment is like, it was a boring open championship. And I agree. Even as someone that was winning money on him on Sunday, it was boring to watch on the back nine. But I don't think it's boring because of him. So, right. I mean, e- even as somebody who was blocked by Joel Beal, me, <laughs> I don't know why. I honestly have no clue why. So definitely not the thickest of skin. But, um, you know, so that would lead me to automatically disagree. But I, I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with what he wrote in the Golf Digest piece about the, um, about the Open being a quote-unquote dud. He was very complimentary, uh, complimentary of Harmon in the in the piece, which I think was important. Um, but yeah, I mean. I know people who turned it off. Casual fans are turning that thing off on the back nine on Sunday. So, yeah, it was a dud. Yeah, and, and look, like I think my my takeaway was instead of saying that Brian Harmon made it boring, I would say that Rory McIlroy and Tommy Fleetwood made it boring. Yeah. Like Saturday and Sunday. Like Rory had a great chance to put some pressure on Saturday. Couldn't hold anything. The only time he holds something was when he was basically out of contention yesterday. Um it was funny watching like the the odds market react to Rory starting fast yesterday. Like he was like 300 through five, whatever he was, and he was still whatever he was five shots back, and he was like 12 to one. And I was like, <laughs> it like literally as soon as Brian Harmon makes a par, it the, these odds are going to go away. Like they're just expecting him to go bogey, bogey, bogey. And I know like 
I know he made the two early bogeys, but he did that the day before and rebounded. So he just had to accept that they were probably just bad holes for him. Um, and look, Tommy Fleetwood could not hold a putt for 36 holes. It was embarrassing. What? Not embarrassing is the wrong word. It was hard to watch. Um, the only people that really put pressure on yesterday was John Rahm and Sepp Stracker. And to be honest, Rahm only managed to put pressure on because he got the most unbelievable lie uh, when he should have been dead on the fifth hole. So I think it's actually the challenger's fault rather than Brian Harmon's fault that yesterday was boring. It is. And it's partly uh, not only they weren't pursuing him, but also they didn't give him a real chance to feel that much pressure. Because on any given hole, he could have made bogey, and it really wouldn't have made any difference. So I think he was playing pretty loose and pretty free. Uh, Rom, I never thought had a chance. He, people, I, I don't know if these people are new to golf or what, but when a guy shoots a course record on Saturday, he's not shooting a 64 on Sunday to win a major. It just doesn't happen. Like he, John Rom's capable of a lot of things. Yeah, I get it. Like people are saying he's the most likely guy to chase him down. He never was because he went too low on Saturday. You, you, you have to be more consistent to do that. Um, I actually thought Tommy was in the best position to do it because he didn't make any birdies on Friday or Saturday. So you figure Sunday he'll make a couple, but he was just, yeah, that and I feel bad for him a little bit because he seemed pretty dejected after it. He, he, so he's the one person that, you know, like when you see someone coming off frustrating the golf course, like he was the one I looked at and just thought, I actually just genuinely feel like he just looked complete. I said Chris falling on my tweet, but he just looked completely fucking devastated. Like he was, you know, just to not put it as quite as, you know, polite on things like he was just broken, and and it, that to me just shows how much he cares. And I think you know, like everyone cares about winning a major championship, of course they do. But like he particularly cares about it. It'd be like Rory winning the Masters. Like it'd be exactly the same feeling. Um, and yeah, I, I felt sorry for him. And look, it's his own fault. Like <laughs> he didn't make putts. And if you're if you're going to consistently not make putts in the pressure situations, you're not going to have to win one yet. It's as simple as that. Um, he is playing some of the best golf in a long time. He He's going to be... Because someone said to me, like, oh, I, can't, I couldn't take... Like someone said, oh, I'll take Strack over Fleetwood at the Ryder Cup. And I was like, well, no, like that's not the point. Like, one, you what? can take both anyway. But two, like, it was it was nothing to do with that. He, he will make putts in the Ryder Cup. He just can't make them in an open championship right now because that means too much to him. So um, I, just, I just think there's a lot of takeaways from the weekend that were a little bit off. And it's because we're so desperate to create narratives because Brian Harmon was in a golf tournament. No one really knew what to say about it, I think, was what happened. Yeah, that's that's part of it. And Tommy, I think he's – there's only three guys I would take ahead of him, Ron Murray and Vic for the Ryder Cup. He's He's been one of the best players in the world this entire year. It's really unfortunate he hasn't been able to get it done on Sunday and get a win because he definitely deserves him with his play. But it's also – you know, an epitome of uh, microcosm of his career to this point and what he's been. And he should he should have gotten a win this year. And I think I think probably his chances run out. I don't really see him winning a playoff event. St. Jude might be might be an all right fit. But um, yeah, he had a he'll, chance. He'll win in Europe. Like he'll, he'll do something in Europe and, and he'll win that way and, and all will be forgiven. But like probably Hatton, I guess you check in the mix as, as, the, as the top five players that have just been really consistent all season. But he hasn't shown up in the majors really this year when he should have done. And I just, yeah, like I, uh, one player that I'm a little bit concerned about is Shane Lowry. Like he's, he just doesn't seem to have it at the moment, even though he was right, right up there in the Scottish Open. He went away in the mix, um, wasn't great at the Open. Was there any player that you were really surprised about? Like I was surprised about Morikawa. Um, 
I wasn't. I was not on Mark Howe oh, at all. You, I didn't like him. Yeah, you did. Who was I surprised about? Was I mean, Scotty was barely yeah. making the cut. I thought that was pretty crazy, and I, I, I was refreshing actually. I mean, uh, not that I completely. It was, really it was almost annoying that he made the cut. It was. I wanted them to miss it really bad, um, for DraftKings reasons, and yeah. but also it was, it was refreshing to see him not play well because you just can't sustain that type of golf for that long of a time. It just it goes against everything that um is sacred in the world so i was happy to see that i think he'll bounce back pretty good but um who else day i mean how about day being up there that was surprising i was, I was really surprised about day because like you know i, I talked to my sort of dad about better student on a wednesday night after i kind of done all this and he catches up and you know as someone that's kind of in and out of looking at golf stuff like he said like you know jason day's been good this season and you know he's contended and open before i said yeah but dad like outside of st andrews he's been dog shit at open championships and you know, I wasn't wrong and he wasn't wrong. Like he, he was a big price and and I wasn't wrong that he's been terrible in open championships so far. And I generally thought as the weather got worse over the weekend, he was gonna really struggle and, and everything would come back. And he, he was great. Um Tom Kim was good on one ankle if it was quite as severe as that. And the one person I really thought well maybe Stracker, but like the, the Renaissance from Eliana Grillo this season has been really pleasing to watch. Um yeah, really happy about that. That was cool. Shabon Kashama impressive. Um yep. Matt Jordan, impressive homer, first top 10 in a major. Lots of good stories. Stenson, good call by yourself. Um, inside the top 15 there, like, you were really high on him. I didn't quite see it. Um, I, I got it, but I didn't, I didn't quite see it. I was really, like, Louis Eustazen was the one for me from from Liv as a surprise person. And to be fair, he did finish in the top 25 in the end. But, it, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think I was massively surprised. Like, Moral Carroll was one of those that I just felt like the odds hadn't moved after... The, after the contending, um, Finau and Burns haven't been playing that well to suggest it's that surprise that they missed a the cut. Um, JT's been playing poorly. Um, I guess Henley was a bit of a shock to me personally. Like he ruined a lot of my drafting and stuff. I, I really liked him, but yeah. Otherwise, I think it was a you know pretty routine major in the end. Yeah, I mean, I think the Stenson thing, I was pretty ex- happy about the fact that I was incredibly um, confident on it. And he was a 400 to one guy who's 47 years old and I can yeah. show that confidence in him still in him, him do it. Um, I was just distracted for a second. I got a comment, just quick side note on my preview. Golf WX, the pre- uh, preview, someone commented and wrote, <laughs> they wrote, uh, if you're putting this much effort into gambling on a second tier PGA event, you have a problem. Uh, he must be new. Yeah, no shit. I have a problem. You guys didn't fucking know that already. <laughs> There's 52 weeks of the year, and I bet 52 of them. So yes, I have a problem. Um, yeah. Be gamble aware, everybody out there. Make sure when the fun stops, stop, and all those sort of things. But yes, this is what we do. It is, you know, part of the show. Did you see the guy that tweeted me about my me picking Brian Harmon wasn't as impressive as Brian Harmon winning the Open? No. All right. So. <laughs> So this guy, literally, so this was in reply to, so I tweeted, and guys, people that listen to this and get sick of seeing these tweets, I have to promote these things when they happen. Like, it's important for the podcast, it's important for, you know, readers of various articles are doing things like that, and, and followers are important, right, on Twitter, if you're in that sort of thing. And I just had tweeted saying, 110 to win one, 110 to one winners are always going to be nice. 110 to one Brian Harmon at an open championship to crown off another strong major season makes for the podcast is even sweeter. So on those lines, anyway, this guy comes back. Twitter is full of so many people patting themselves on the back. 
what they what they don't realize is that the skill required to pick a winner is minuscule compared to the skill required to win the tournament obviously i mean so so, so, so i just replied to it saying thank you x for reminding me that picking harman to win is in fact a far inferior achievement than harman actually winning the open championship for a moment there i felt it was close <laughs> you don't, they don't give Claire jugs for picking the winner, yeah. do they? Or three million? So, so someone replies to that saying, like, what, you don't get your own Claire jug? And I just said, I'll buy one with the winnings. Um, <laughs> I would say I, my bet had a 0.67% chance or something of winning. Like, it's, yeah. pretty, it's a pretty impressive feat. So, um, you know, fuck that guy. Um, weird, weird comment. So, yeah, there was just loads of things like that yesterday. Like, people definitely just in their feelings about the fact that. Roy McRoy and Tommy Fleetwood didn't win the Open Championship. Uh, yeah, that, that was definitely it. Um, and I didn't love it either, but hey, that's that's golf. It is. Um, major season done now, Matt. No more majors for us to talk about this season. Um, feels early. It, it really does. And it's not because it is the end of July and we're coming into August. But it feels weird. Um, one last closing statement on last week before we go on to this week at the 3M Open, where we definitely have a problem. Do you think that elevated events, and I'll let you interpret this in your own way, do you think elevated events have being on the schedule regularly have affected players' performance in a major? Yeah, I do. I think they probably have. I think having to play and not really – like players have always had the freedom to make their own schedule, and I think with the elevated events, you pretty much took, took that away from them. And it goes back to a conversation we were kind of having um, on Twitter. I know Ben Coley was involved and a couple other players about a couple other people about players from live and whether they're scheduled and the whole end. And this goes to your question as well, is that in the end of the day, every person is an individual. Everyone's what they need in terms of form and preparation is different. So if you're forcing players to play in certain events at certain times, then that's going to affect their preparation. And that's going to affect how they how they approach the season. Goes same thing for Liv. Maybe some it works great for those guys that, uh, that that want to do that. Like we saw Brooks win after playing a dog track in Orlando the week before, uh, and playing well there. So sometimes it translates, sometimes it doesn't. But long way of saying, I do think it has an effect because guys weren't able to do exactly what they wanted to do in terms of preparation. Yeah. So the, there was two angles I looked at. I was like, I think one angle is I think a lot of these players and maybe Scotty and maybe Rory when it comes to the final stages just got burnt out from playing too many golf events they didn't want to play. They had to be competitive at Travelers Championship and things like that, which they didn't have to do before. And my second point from it was like, we've seen Wyndham Clark win the US Open and Brian Harmon win the Open Championship. And I just think them being able to compete against the very best every single week rather than just three or four weeks of a year was actually quite important. So Wyndham Clark sees how his game stacks up against these best players at the Wells Fargo, wins it, must then have the belief to go and win the US Open because that's what's happened. Brian Harmon's had, you know, second, ninth and twelfth place finishes. Two of them have come at the Scottish Open and, um, you know, the Travellers, which had elevated fields. If he thinks he can contend in those fields immediately before a major, which wouldn't necessarily have been strong fields, I think that changes everything. So that was the way I saw it, that, that these got the reason the, the gap is bridged is because they've been playing in these types of events all season. And basically every week's been a major for these guys. And once they re- – because Brian Harmon, when he plays well four times a year, normally it's like John Deere, Wyndham, whatever, whatever. And no one's in those fields, so he doesn't really know how he stacks up against these others until he plays it in a major. Whereas he's seen it all season. Like, okay, I've had six top tens this season. 
and most of them have been in strong fields. So mm-hmm. I, I think there was something to do with that. But it could just be a way of trying to justify two weird winners of the last two majors. Yeah, maybe it's both. Like it, it kind of decreases the top guys because of the, their schedule scheduling things, and then the the lower tier guys it elevates them, so it just makes everyone a little bit closer. That's what I think. I just, I just think that iron sharpens iron, and and the the bigger players didn't need it. They're used to it, and they can turn up when they need to. And in the end, were sort of like uh, downgraded because of being overplayed. But the others, I just thought benefited from it. So interesting thought there. Just maybe one to put out to the kind of listeners, and and maybe they think about that after we've spoken about it there let's go on to the three of open Matt, because that's what we're here for that's why we're still doing these podcasts after 40 odd weeks of this year 30 odd weeks of this year what would you say is the primary thing you're looking at in a player this week i'd say power off the tee and i know some of the stats go against that but um you know if it uh if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck it's probably mm-hmm. a duck and I think um, you look at winners, Wolf, Champ, and Finau. Um, yeah. It's a certain profile of a guy who has won here. Uh, so I, I think in the end, um, it's Bombers are great. doesn't mean it has to be, just like always. There's always going to be some of those guys spattered on the leaderboard who aren't that. But I, I do think it's a, it's going to be important. So look, the, the, um, the kind of snapback to that is that Michael Thompson beat Adam Long in 2020, and they were two kind of short hitters. Uh, Colin Morikow runner-up to Matthew Wolfe in 2019 Sung Jae-in was runner-up last year to Tony Finau and Charles Schwartz and Jonathan Vegas are not uh, Vegas is pretty long but like Charles Schwartz was the longest and he was runner-up to Cameron Chan right so you can get in the hunt uh, without the longest hitters you can win it without being the longest hitter I think ultimately it's just advantageous and I think that's what you've got to look at and I just looked at total driving and par 5 scoring for me they've been really key Um, so yeah those bigger hits at the end of the day like we say this every time long and straight works everywhere and um you know just as the argument last week was oh you don't need to be long you can be accurate and all that sort of stuff like obviously if you're long and accurate you're going to be in the best position so um yeah I, I think it's longer guy like if you're looking for a prototypical target this week it's long hitters at relish on par fives if you're like looking to do a more balanced fit in several different players then i don't think there's any harm in going to someone that's just riding hot approach play you've just got to have one or the other i think yeah, absolutely. One of the, yeah, it's, it's one or the other. And it's approach and putting. Like so when Thompson won, he gained seven on approach, seven putting. Yeah. Uh and I think there are certain guys who could do it that way. And th- I, I you also can't avoid the leaderboard correlation with the rocket mortgages. Like it's it's absolutely insane how much correlation we've seen from those two events. So I think Do, do we think that's that, just the time of the year that it is? Rather than I think we had this conversation that maybe the travelers and the scottish or something like is it just where it is on the on the calendar rather than the fit or is there something to do golf courses i mean they're pretty similar tests i think that's i i think it is that i think it's a combination of all of those things but mostly the golf course is pretty similar they're both relatively flat um pretty forgiving off the tee long hitters have done well at both but the, you also have your odd troy merits and then the guys who've done bon- done well at both um yeah i think there's a lot of similarities to the courses yeah, I do. And I think that they're newer events, which is always uh, important as well. I think that like these new events that have kind of stuck around for the last four or five years seem to get the same kind of winners as well. So let's dive into the 10K range. Shorter this week, Cam Young, 10-9, Tony Finau, 10-6, Sung JM, 10-3, Hideki, 10. Um, first of all, Cameron Young, is last week a false dawn or is he back 
to contending again regularly? Um, it's tough to say. I mean, because when you contend at the John Deere, his approach numbers weren't really that great. But yeah, you look at the open and his he gained over 10 strokes on approach, like 16 strokes ball striking. Um, he was just fantastic statistically, which leads me to believe he might be back. Um, but I still don't love him because I think we talked about this before. Like, I think it was before Heritage after the Masters. One, bad weather over the weekend. You're playing there. You're, you're emotional deep into the deep into the tournament. I think this was our, our, our reason for um, fading Hovland at Heritage, even though he was really good there yeah. um, in the past. But, like, I think it, it's emotionally draining. Then you add the travel and the weather and all that stuff into it. So, I, for me, it's tough for him. I don't, I don't know if he's back or not, and I think he's going to win something soon, but I don't know if this is it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the camp of no. I text Paul Tesori on Saturday just to say good luck for Sunday. He just come back saying thanks, bud, and it just needs to be a hot putting around, like one. He just needs one hot putting around, basically. And he was right. Like you look at you look at what he did. He was unbelievable on approach and off the tee, and he just was bad with the putter, right? And you saw it in in the heat of the battle. Now, is that the reason he's bad with the putter is he just bad with the putter. The season suggests over the last six or seven weeks that the putter has been a problem for a long time. So it's not just when he's been contending. Um, he, he on paper, Matt, is the best fit, maybe. But I, there's just something I can't trust Cameron Young at 10-9. Yeah, I agree. On paper, like coming into the week, I think Friday or Saturday, I was like, I'm not going to let myself talk myself out of betting cam young next week because i just think this is the perfect spot for him and by last night i had already talked myself out of it he's like 14 to 1 so it's just like it's yeah. just so easy to do right tony v now same sort of arguments but again just not playing well no he isn't he isn't and i'm i'm curious to see with ownership this week like where people are going to go yeah i mean i guess those two will split between them because there's not that much in the price right but like does do we does Sung Jay and Hideki get a boost because of what they did at the Open last week, or because they're just not the pro? To, I mean, again, Hideki's tee screen game works generally everywhere, but like they're not the longest two. Does that hold them back in terms of built? No, I think a lot of people like the first look. You're going to see people on them more so than the than the young finals of the world. I think Grilla. Um, I know Grilla's beneath, but he's going to be popular. Um, and Sanjay has good history. I mean, he finished second here last year, so I think that's going to be a big driving force as well. Yeah, I still can't just get Sanjay. Like, I'm just going to wait for Sanjay to get out to a betting number in the playoffs and hope that he does nothing for the next couple of weeks. Hideki, I just still can't get my head around. Like, I thought he was going to be really good over the weekend, and he was okay, but didn't quite make the move that he needed to. He was still 13. So that was a really good finish. He was all putting. Yeah, like, I don't I don't like that. That's no, not good for Hideki Matsuyama. So... That's a short way of saying I'm probably out maybe on all four. I certainly could be out on all four for sure. I don't want to be out on the Mediano Grillo, even though the ownership suggests that we probably should be there. You would think so, but um, second and third here in three starts. I was on him last year. He got caught in a bunker. I really thought he was going to win going into the Sunday. My question is, not he's the fifth most expensive guy, 9-7. If you're playing him here, you think he's going to win? And coming off of a win recently, and then his best ever major finish, I just wonder if this is a letdown week. So he was never going to be in the mix, was he? Would be the one thing. Like he, he's not emotionally drained from being in the mix on Sunday. He was just trying to post the best score he possibly could. 
So I think there's a certain element of relaxation to that. I think the fact that when he won, he went 48th missed cut, but then he was 15th in the Travellers suggests that now he's coming back to a golf course that's easy and one that he likes. I think he'll be okay. So I do trust him to play well. I just... Because both, like, both him and Straka, people are going to look at me. I was a couple of them both together. Like both, they're going to get looked at as the two people that are going to let down because they've been second and sixth at the Open Championship. I would be more concerned about Straka because he's got the Ryder Cup to play for and the fact that he was the closest to Harmon yesterday than I would be Grillo, who just had no chance and was just showing that he's playing well again. Yeah, I mean, for me, Straka would be the guy who I would be fading in this range, um, especially if he gets popular, which I don't know if he will. Uh, so I, I think he, he was too deep into it. Um, and he was draining some long pots. His stats were good though, but, um, you, so you would say Grillo over Straka. I would agree with that too. Yeah. And that's how I'd leave it. And just let people make their mind if they want to play rhythm. Um, you like Aberg. You've written him up in your best column this week on WRX. I don't like him. So you, you said him to me. I mean, I just think simply put, he, he's might like, it's early to say this. He might be the best driver of the golf ball in the world, or at least in the top three of the top five. He is like completely automatic off the tee. His stats off the tee are incredible. Um, to gain four, five, six every single week. Uh, his his approach wasn't good at, at a um, where was it? Where it wasn't as great. It wasn't good at the Travelers or the Rocket Mortgage. Okay, and then he bounced back at the john deere he finished fourth gained 3.5 on approach which is good he missed the scottish open cut of the number which i do not care about scottish open at all this week I, i'm sure you feel the same way um but i just think course fit wise it's perfect he i think you know this is a field i, I honestly thought he was going to be like 28 to 1 and i i saw 35 so i bet it yeah i i think he's a better bet we said it's quite a lot i think he's a better bet than he is DraftKings because I think he's going to get really popular and I don't think he deserves to be. I think like when you look at his last five starts, he's only gained an approach properly once. So as much as he's great off the tee and I completely agree he's one of the better drivers of the Gulf War on tour, he's been pretty shit with his irons outside of the John Deere. Um, Now you've seen that when he was good with his irons, he spiked and finished fourth at John Deere, but I, I could definitely see a 25th to 40th place finish to the point like he's been at the Canadian Open and the Rocket Mortgage where he starts off really hot, kind of hangs around and then just drifts away because his irons can't keep him in it. Um, that's what I potentially see for back this week. I could see that too. I could see that too. Um, looking at, let me see, Champ. When Champ won here, Yeah. Um, I was on that one, 150 to 1, and we saw a little bit from him, but when he, I don't think, I'm just want to look, make sure his irons weren't great. Um, yeah, he gained 3.7 on approach, which was pretty good for him. He barely gained off the tee, and he gained 8.5 putting, which is pretty good. Yeah, crazy. so look, the, the, as we said before, like, there's, there's so many different ways to do it. I just don't like Aberg doesn't have that putter where he can do it. So I just think that if his irons are not on like they were at the John Deere, then he's fucked. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't, as much as the driving is really important, we've highlighted that being really important, I don't think it's enough on its own. Right. I, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. So, like, I think it's a good bet because I think you're betting on, well, I think it's an okay bet because you're betting on someone that has ridiculous upside in a weaker field. I just worry about him in terms of, like, just profiling him as a suitable player for this. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with a lot of that. And, like, I honestly thought there was a world where he'd be priced at 20 to 1 this week. Yeah. Because, because of how overpriced he's been. It's just so popular. Yeah. But I just. And he's. Cool. 
relatively speaking, I thought the price was fair. And that was one of the reasons why I jumped on it really quickly. Yeah, like I think I think you'll be on the right side of the price by the time that it closes. Like I think he's going to get some steam. But I yeah, I just I don't know. I think if I'm worried about Stracker and the pressures of Ryder Cup for him, imagine being an Aberg who doesn't really have an actual reason to go to the Ryder Cup and still being talked about it. Like he's definitely going to be desperate to, to perform. So uh, yeah, interesting one. I, again, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. Like if he does well this week, I'd be really impressed because I think there's a lot riding on it being good. JC healthy scratch nine three. Yes. Good. Um, Gary Woodland nine two. I think is probably the most interested I've been so far. Yeah, he was on my shortlist for betting. I thought he was going to be 60 to one, though. I didn't think he was going to be 35, 40, or whatever he was. Yeah, I, I think people are right. I think the books are right on him this week, though. Like he's gained on approach and off the tee in eight of his last ten, and he's gained off the tee every event this this season except for the Fortnite. Like yeah. he's he's automatic ball striking, and he just like he's marginally losing on the putting green over the last kind of three or four weeks so i th- i think he's been good enough in recent weeks to suggest that he can contend in this event uh, and then you look at it and he was 11th here two years ago on his debut and he was second going into the final round i don't really remember that do you remember that um no i don't so he was there i guess he just played himself out early on and we don't really remember it from there but which is what he always does. Yeah, like he he let me down in a big way at the PGA and I haven't really gone back to him since. But I just think this is probably his last best chance of playing well this season and, and he'll be keen to take advantage of it. I can agree with all the things you said. And then I also, and th- again, I was interested in him coming to the week. But my final conclusion is I do not trust him. Yeah. like To would contend. You just, he, yeah. Would you just prefer it as like a tougher test? Yeah, I, I would prefer that, I think, because he doesn't have to get to a great score. But, I mean, you just real, rattled off all these amazing, impressive stats, and they completely are. His finishes in that stretch since the PGA, 24th, 49th, 33rd, 25th, 55th. Yeah. Even when he plays great, he doesn't finish doesn't, well. Yeah, he's not scoring well. Like, he's he's had two nights in the 14th this season. Or two nights, two full teams. And he, he putts like a blind person. He, that's why I don't mind because he's got better in the last three weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, so that that's the only that's that's why I can go with the it. Two of those weeks were in the UK, right? Or... Yes, and I, I think I think the concern is that if I'm fading those guys at the top, and I really want Gary Wooden as my first guy in, is is the worry. Um, Would you start with Grillo? Yeah, I'd probably go Grillo Woodland, but fuck me, like if I wanted to have some. Like if I was going to queue up a stroke over the weekend, that's a good way to do it. Watching those yeah, two. Yeah, but it's also if you if you want to get leverage on the field and try to win win five hundred thousand dollars, it's it's a good way to do it too. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go into some of the other nines or and high eights then. So we've got, and I'll just I'll just rattle the names off and you can tell me you're interested. Jaeger, Cameron Davis, Hadwin, Spawn, Thigala, Mitchell, Rogers, who are nine one nine eight nine eight 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 seven eight six eight five. Who do you like out of that room? Before I, I go with that, I just want a little game theory thing that, that you yeah. just made me think of right there. And I think it's important to note. So sometimes we talk about finding unpopular plays. So the way I think it should be categorized, and it, this is kind of an aha moment for me, is <laughs> if don't be different just for the sake of being different because you want to be pick these random, random ass teams because anything can happen. We get that, but don't do that. 
what you want to do is if you have an inkling or a natural instinct or a feeling that a player is going to be good and he happens to be unpopular, nobody else likes him. Do not run from that feeling. Embrace it. Go overweight on that feeling and dive into those players that you see. Like, for, like, exa- like you don't think Abra is going to p- play good. Um, or you think he might not play as well, and you like Woodland, and you play Woodland over Aberg, I would just go 80% of all my in. lineups. Yeah, yeah. All in. Woodland over Do it. And then if it hits, you have all these different combinations with that start, the Grillo-Woodland start. Play that combination you like with a bunch of different lower price combinations. So if your gut instinct hits, you have seven, eight different chances to cash in on it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, it, it is. And, and the trouble for me, and this has always been the case, like, the reason we talk about you being in contention and me just being the guy that hosts a podcast and, and basically gets you to answer the questions is I haven't figured out theory yet. And I don't do, I don't enter enough lineups and I don't, I, I'm very much more betting minded and things like that. Like I enter tournaments and I, you know, I have won money in the past, but like the UK DraftKings thing has never been as big. Like we just, mm-hmm. we just don't, get as far behind it as we do so there's always more of a focus on on betting most of the stuff content i do is around betting so i do this because i enjoy learning this this is a learning thing for me and one that the listeners should do as well i find it so hard like for classic example last week i loved russell henley i, I couldn't see a situation where russell henley wasn't going to do well so he's in whatever 80 90 of my lineups and i'm fucked like because he was four over through five for the first on the first day like it was game over he couldn't putt and he actually basically was doing what Harmon was doing uh, in terms of the the get the, the style of play he just couldn't make the putt um yeah so I was probably right in a sense of, of the track I was going down it's just that you can't rely on Russell Henley um so yeah I, I think ultimately you do you do have to stick with it and it, it's just it, construction is so important like you you might be the same me at times like you you put five bets together and you think oh you know I'll put all five of these fit into a lineup and I can just find a sixth guy and it and it works but it just doesn't work like that like you have to get these guys like it's the Steven Yeagers as well who, who tops this list that like has made whatever he's made 23 of his last 26 cuts that's important to lineups and you have to kind of swallow it sometimes at nine one and realize that it might be the play so I guess that's a good segue into Steven Yeager yeah I mean for me he makes sense to me I just I'm not a Jaeger guy. I tried to be once and he wasn't bad at the John Deere. I think he finished like 19th, but yeah, I like the I like the two guys beneath him much better. I like Cameron Davis and Adam Hadwin. Mm. Um, I bet, I bet them both 45 to one each. Uh, and I think Hadwin might be at the end of his window and you might think he's kind of falling out of form here, but I think coming off of the playoff loss at the rocket mortgage, him missing the cut at the John Deere wasn't that huge of a deal, especially considering he still gained strokes on approach. Um, I think he just kind of struggled there, but his course history here in at the rocket mortgage is to me worth going back to him one more time. He has that other recipe we're talking about the irons and putting. He can get those going great bent grass putter. He was sixth here in 2021, fourth year in 2019, um, gained 6.4 putting and 4.7 putting, uh, in those two starts. So I think he's one of those guys who can just get a hot putter here. He might be my favorite play in the range. Cause I think he'll be a little bit less popular than Davis when all said and done. Uh, yeah, because Hadwin is not that, and this goes back to what we started to show you, like because Cam Davis fits the mold of the player that you want better than Hadwin does, he's going to be the automatic clip there, at, you know, $100 difference. But Hadwin's just a guy that you know plays the same golf courses well all the time. And 
his 38th here was the worst finish and it was only because of one bad round so he's been fourth sixth and could have really been like 15th 20th that week i know it's all lives and butts but you look at this guy and he's you know got a couple of you know second place finishes at the desert classic career build or whatever they want to call it how american express he's got you know a win at the vowels bar and he's playing well there again he's got the fourth and sixth here like he consistently goes back to the same golf courses uh the shriners he's had like two top sixes at so he just consistently goes back to saying golf horses he telegraphs what he's going to do it's very clear he's got three top tens at the shriners so if you just look down his 50th best results you know where he's going to play well there's there's four courses a year that he plays well at and he'll do it every year yeah and i think i i think his form is better than it seems like on paper yeah because you have to factor in the fact that hadwin doesn't like you see these players sometimes and they play well somewhere that you don't expect them to and you and you go, okay, well that was a really positive result and should you know you should be really hard on him. Like if he him finishing 59th at the US Open, for example, you could go, actually that's a massive result considering he gained, you know, 0.5 on approach every round. And then he finished second the following week. And he's just never going to be good at the US Open. So I think sometimes you have to look at those with Hadwins and you look at his, his finishes this season, 10th at the Shriners, 7th at the Houston, 10th at Phoenix, 12th at Canadian Open, always plays well there, 2nd at Rocky Mortgage, he's played well there. Like, you know what he's going to do. In 18th for that American Express event, he, he doesn't he doesn't try and surprise you. He just circles the same events in his calendar every year. Um, and you should exactly. do He's doing what he's supposed to do at the places that he, he typically yeah. does. It, so. And this is another one of those places, so I'm going to go back to him. Um, and I like Davis, too. I know... Um, as of now, he doesn't look as a but again, we have very limited information. But I think uh, he, a, a follower just DM me, um, talking to me about the Davis pick last year. Finau made 20 birdies and zero eagles in one. Davis made 20 birdies and one eagle and finished 16th. So he has what it takes to have a winning type of score at this event. The problem is, can he limit those mistakes? Yeah, I just. I, my concern with Cam Davis, I don't think he's as good as people think he is. I think it's possible as well. So that's not to say that anyone's right or wrong in him this week, but he basically gets chucked in like any event like this where you need a bit of long and straight and, and make load of birdies. Like, all right, Cam Davis is that guy. And it's like, well, I don't know if there's that much difference between a Cam Davis and a Taylor Pendriff or a Cam Davis and a, you know, Gary Higa or someone like that is a little bit more volatile. Like, Yes, he's good at driving the golf ball, but he's not that good at anything else. Like yeah. he's not he's not good at he's not a Wyndham Clark that was great at driving the golf ball, great at passing, and then when he got good at his irons, he turns as one of the best players in the world. Like he's never shown that with his irons really, apart from the PGA no. Championship when I fell for it. And apart from Rocket Mortgage two weeks ago, five point three. That was his best iron start since yeah the Rocket since yeah twenty twenty one. So. And then he missed a cut of the Scottish again. I, and I, I've said it a couple of times when I kind of spoke for you. Do you think the Scottish Open matters for this? No, no. So so you're probably right. Like if you just look at the Travellers and, and the Rocket Mortgage and their back-to-back good results, you could, you know, get rid of the Scottish Open and just say he's in good form in America. It's just that thing like he's finished fourth at the PGA and he goes cut, cut, cut. It just it just concerns me that like he has good finishes and then he just, he just disappears. Like he finished seventh at the Australian PGA uh, at the end of the last year. Then goes cut, third second, cut, 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 cut to start his year. I know he was injured, but like it's just it finishes it, sixth, sixth at the players, 
match play exit cut the Valero. Like it, it just. He's a very tough guy to get right. Like yeah. when he finished, he finished 12th here in 2020. That was off four straight missed cuts. Yeah. Um, but when he uh, won, it was off a missed cut when he won the Rocket Mortgage. Yeah, like that's my concern. Like, I don't think that like, I don't know that anyone can truly go. This is why I picked Cam Davis this week. I think people just have to go. Well, Cam Davis could play well, and he's 9K, and you've got to decide whether you just want to take a chance on that. Like, I have no problems with people going like Cam Davis, Adam Hadwin, um, Gary Woodland, and just starting like that, and just giving yourself three guys that you know can drive the ball really, really well. Uh, well, David uh, Hadwin maybe slightly different, but like can play this golf course really well, and then just give yourself some more consistency down the bottom. But I just I don't know that anyone can sit there and go, this is why I'm playing Cam Davis, and I truly believe this is why he's going to have a good week, because I don't think he knows. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> um, JJ Spawn is coming back to a little bit of form, I think, if I remember rightly. Let's just make sure I'm not making this up completely. Yeah, so he's been 33rd at the Rocky Mortgage and then 10th at the Barracuda, um, 30th at Memorial. So he's showing a little bit of life um, at the right time after you know a couple of months of being disappearing but he's not good at this golf course really for 662 missed cuts so he might be a pass the guard is a pass the one person i did want to look at was mitchell yeah he should be a fit in theory right should be a fit in theory and i actually think he's playing a little bit better than he was uh which wasn't hard because he was he was shit like he he's missed the last two cuts but you look at his approach off the tee in scotland it was amazing and at the John Deere, he was good on his approach as well, 42nd, and he was good off the tee at the US Open. So he's the guy that hasn't been able to put it all together yet, but like he he did that lethal tee and putting combination at the US Open, and I think he could potentially do that here uh, based on the fact that he was fifth here two years ago. Absolutely. He, he makes a lot of sense. He's not going to be popular. He's not going to get all the steam that some of these guys are. So I think uh, I'm I'm probably going to avoid it, um, but I, I think there's a, a lot of... Like, like to me, he just feels like the Cam Davis thing. Yeah. Like, you know, he drives it long and he can get hot with a putter, but there's not really a whole lot to stick your sort of opinion hopes on. Yeah. A couple guys here who I do like, too, is Rogers, if he's not going to be popular. I mean, the yeah, guy I, is. I hate to say it. He's a he's a massive loser. Um, I think he's, he just like since he's been a professional, he's found a way to lose in any way, shape or form. Um that he can. And he's obviously, I mean, nothing personal. I just think he's not good at closing events. We saw this at the Barracuda, how he should have won that tournament easily. All he had to do is make one birdie and he had three or four looks to do it and he couldn't do it. Um, but at 8,500, he's in great form. He's finished decently here the first two times he's played it. I think he can definitely play well again this week. I don't think anything tells someone's career Better than losing a playoff to Charles Howell III, who notoriously doesn't win as much as his career suggests that he should. Now, Patrick Rogers is not as good as Charles Howell III was in terms of just automatically making top 10s and top 20s, but he's good. Like, he's yeah. truly very, very good. And I I really like him on, on off a lit down week because he's got to get it. He Like, at some point, he's, like, yesterday should have been the time that he just stumbled into the win, like, without even really realising. But... He's got to do it eventually. I mean, look, he he finished second after missing three cuts. You'd think he'd have played well in Scotland based on the fact that, you know, he goes back to the UK quite a lot with his, his um, wife or partner, whatever she is. But he was just so solid. The only concern, I guess, is his approach numbers. I don't know what they were like at the Barracuda. They're obviously pretty good. But 
His approach numbers are shit. Yeah. Which is a surprise for someone like Roger. Yeah, he's just off the tee. I mean, he's a guy, he's a Wyndham clock light, isn't he? He can get off the tee and putting. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just like him off the fact that people are not going to like him. Like, he is one of those ones that don't, you say don't just play them because people won't, but he feels like the type of guy that you should. Like, on his debut, he was eighth going into the the weekend and finished 32nd. Then last year, or two years ago, he was 39th. But I could see him finishing 12th. I can, yeah, I can see. I think he, I think he might be involved this week, especially the story of him coming off, blowing the playoff. And then he'll be. I can. I just have a feeling he might be around. Poston is the opposite of what I want in a golfer here, but and I and I can't decide whether to bet him yet or not. Um, I didn't put him in my kind of long shots plays at the moment, but he might still make the card. Twenty eighth and eleventh here in two starts. <clears throat> we know he can birdie with the best of them. He had two sixth-place finishes going into the Open Championship at the um, John Deere Classic and the Scottish Open, and then finished 41st at the Open, which I liked. I think he's playing well enough. The only concern is he's been terrible off the tee. Yeah. Um, he's not for me. He never is, though, so I don't think that... Yeah, he, he doesn't like the guy, do you? Is he the guy that trackers argue, you argue with? <laughs> Yeah, the tracker he always yeah. attacks me, um, and I've taken it out on him. But if it wasn't, if there was any any life off the tee, I'd, I'd be pretty confident. Yeah, I mean, he's, he makes some sense. He definitely can get going. Another thing too is like we we do like birdie makers here, and birdie are better and stuff. But this thing hasn't been that easy. I mean, Finau seventeen under, Champ fifteen under. Like I think there's definitely a place you can get in trouble in here. So I do think off the tee, like you said, is is important. Um, and then I think we should go right down to the guy I know we both love in uh, Lucas Glover. Glove. Glove. If anyone needs us to tell you why Lucas Glover is a good player this week, then you are just following people blindly because you're not doing your own research. This guy is unbelievable right now. Fourth, sixth, and fifth. And this is why I was saying about like the the um, Aberg FOMO thing. Like he's doubled the price of Lucas uh, Ludwig Aberg in the Bessie market, and he's a better player right now. Yeah, he's a better player than a lot of guys right now. He's, he's I mean, how many major winners are in this field? And then, I know it's 2009 or whatever it was, but like he also won the John Deere Classic in 2021. It's not like he's been dead forever. Like he's a great player. 20th miscut, fourth, sixth, fifth in his last five starts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he is playing some of the best golf he's played in a really long time gained 10 strokes on approach at the barbasol 10 <laughs> strokes on approach he's in his last three starts fourth fifth sixth um maybe not in that order but i uh we've been on him i've been on him you've been on him the last three weeks and it's funny when sometimes people don't win like oh this guy sucks but like he's finished fourth sixth and fifth and yeah. he's been 70 to 1 60 to 1 and 81 those that, those are great plays like i'm gonna go back to it one more time yeah he's not like he's not sucking and missing the cut he's he's not winning like yeah. if that sucks, then you're you're down to a very small pool of players. You can basically go and back Grillo and Stracker and Nab here. Um, yeah, I just I just think he's the best player of the week by a mile. Not to not to forget the fact that he was seventh here on debut and shot a 62 in the final round. Yeah, I mean I love him as a player too. Something about him, just the way he plays the game. I like I like his swing. I like his approach. I, I just like him because everyone hates him. I'm just one of those guys. Um, well, I'm not, I'm one of those guys too. I think that's why we work well together. 
like I love the story. I don't love the story of what happened to him, but like I, I like I like it. I like the fact that people just use that against him. It's just like, like this guy's a this guy's a machine. Um, it, it turns me on a little bit. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Sixty-two final round is what I really care about. Like, is that course record? Uh, I don't know. I think it probably is. It's got to be close if it's not. I mean, maybe there's a sixty here or something. But anyway, capturing the the moment there, Lucas Glover turns you on. Um, yeah. No, the the wife attacking him turns me on. Uh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. What about the guy right below him, Vincent Norman? I mean, I, I said earlier this. I said this earlier today. If he didn't just win, we'd be all over him probably. But that, but that's what I mean. So this is this is the thing that like we we're just and I, I hate to keep picking on Aberg, but this is the other hot Swedish player that everyone was keen on. What? So we're going to punish people for winning? Aberg's hotter. Um, <laughs> is that what we're talking about? No, you yeah. Mean how they're playing. Yeah, well, I mean, um, both, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's playing great. I mean, and he was good again last week at the Barracuda. So, I mean, and then golf course-wise, you couldn't really think of a better fit than him. You can definitely play him, I think. Um, I, and I, I probably will. Let's say he finished seventh at the Barbasol, 25th last week, and 24th at the Rocky Mortgage Classic. He'd be one of the highest-owned players in the field. Yeah, he'd definitely be the most tip golfer in terms of betting. Um, I'm in, 8-1. I, I, I don't see a reason why he's just suddenly going to be shit this week. He's so good off the tee. I, I agree. I'm in, too. I'm in, too. Yeah. I, I really like him. It's just a sustained like period of form. There you go. It's not bad. It's not wonderful. So if you go Rogers, Glover, Norman, that leaves you with 8-4 average. So let's put in Davis Hadwin. That leaves you with 7-3, which we're going to come on to. It's not a bad lineup. Davis, Glover, Hadwin, Norman, Rogers. No, it's five guys who can win. Eh, four plus Rogers. Four plus Rogers. Yeah, five, <laughs> f- four guys who can win and one who can lose in a playoff, which is worth a lot of points. So. Yeah, exactly. He can make the points before he loses it. Um, right. We've got to pick up the pace here because we're, we're talking a lot about golfers. Um, Bo Hostler, any interest? I did have some interest. I just looked into it. Um, the 3M and Rocket form really isn't exactly what I wanted it to be. I watched a lot of it yesterday when he was playing. He was kind of in the borderline of contention, but whenever he does that, he starts to play like shit. Um, I could see him playing all right. Yeah, I don't care enough about him to comment, really. Um, Aaron Rye, 7-9, I think. No? Not for me. I thought you'd like him. I'm not a Rye guy. I mean, I think I once at like Pebble Beach a long time ago, but since then, I'm, I'm completely out. I like him. I think that I think there's reasons to like him. I think he's gaining off the tee when he shouldn't do because he's the biggest nudger on tour. Um, yeah, I like him. I think he's he thinks he's been slept on a little bit. He may well. That's the thing. He may be the most popular guy in the full field. Really? So far, that's what I'm seeing. Um, people are clicking his name a very lot early. So no, well then yeah, just get away from him. I didn't think that at all. I thought I didn't really see much about Aaron Wright this week. Um, I think Mayo might have bet him. I, don't, I haven't got there yet, but I think it makes sense. Well. Yeah. Um, let's just talk about the guys we do like here. I, Akshay Batia fits in the same thing as Norman, right? Exactly the same. Um, I like him a lot. You know, I do have a little bit concerns of um, coming off a win for him, but uh, there's no reason why this course shouldn't be that great for him. But he does a little Aaron off the tee. I don't love this much water in play for him, but. 
I do think, you know, he, he dealt with some mental health stuff in terms of, and he was pretty open about it in terms of um, when his game wasn't going well, the way it affected him. I think a win for him is going to make his confidence through the roof. Yeah. Like I think it just changes him. Like he, like he, he won on the corn ferry. I don't know how long it took him. It was like his first as a member, right? It was the first event as a member he won, but he'd obviously played in a bit before, but he was just taking so much flack in, um, you know, skipping college and just going straight to the pros, people not believing in him. And four years later, he's a winner on both tours. Yeah. I think he's he made the right 21. decision. Yeah, like he's made the right decision. Already. Absolutely, he did. Absolutely. So I think just having that in his bag of tricks is is great. Ekro's going to get some steam. I understand that. I wanted, to, I wanted to be on Svensson. I just thought things have gone quiet for Svensson. I just thought this was a decent course for him. But stats-wise, nothing too encouraging. I mean, the only thing I would say, he's been really bad on approach, but he's getting gradually not so bad. So he's still losing his trades, but not as many. I guess that's a slight positive. And he gained off the tee at the John Deere. Like, I could just see Svensson doing something when... People don't suspect him today. Yeah, that. And then, I mean, look at him versus Ekrod. I think he's going to be way, way less popular. I don't think anyone's going to play Svensson. And there was a time when people loved playing it. Svensson finished 15th here on his debut, 11th after two rounds, and he shot a second round 64. And when you just look at it, like, so you just go on data golf, and it's just like a perfect alignment of his approach, just getting slightly less shit. As he goes on, then he gain off the tee. So if you look at John Deere, gain in every area, slightly lost on approach, and finished 21st. And I just think that's a good recipe for someone that's been 15th here and got a 64. I like Spencer a lot. Yeah, I think you're on the right track. I think I think you have a, a good grasp of things because you seem pretty have good conviction on guys who don't seem like they're going to be popular. So I have a feeling you uh, should play a couple more lineups than you usually do this week. Yeah, I mean, I'll just lose. I'll just lose more money. But you know, we'll, we'll right, just eat it one. Yeah, that's true. I can I can afford to lose money. Um, I like Gim. I like Higo. The rest of the world I like Gim and Higo. So unless you're going to talk me off of those, we'll just say they're good plays. Uh, I don't like Higo, but I see why you do. I just like the Sean Foley thing, and he's just his yeah, form yeah. is trending, and he's just off the tee is great for Higo. So I said that last time. What did he do? I don't even I didn't even look into it. What do you, What do you mean? What that was in like? He, He's working with Sean Foley, or you? So last, um, I, whatever show we did, you said you were going to play him because because of that. How did he play? Uh, so he finished 19th at the Scottish Open. Okay, good. And 21st at the John Deere. So it can only have been the last two that I've talked about him. So one of those, he was, well, both of those, he was top 20. So yeah, so that makes sense. He gained um, really good with his irons uh, in Scotland. Brilliant with his putter. I I just think it's the perfect golf course for him. Like he is Cameron Champ. Yeah. Yep. So, and and it's not lost on people. Like everyone's doing the same thing. Like I'm not going to be unique here, but he was the hundreds one guy that you go, okay, he, he wins out of nowhere. He's got the perfect skill set of of a hot driver, hot putter, and he gained on approach in a big way at the Scottish Open. Yeah, to me, this. I mean, I feel the same way with the hundred one guy. The next guy is Chez, who um, has been not disappointing, but I thought yeah, he had some. It, he has been disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 35th of the year, I thought he could do better at that. Um, yeah. but his, his, his approach numbers are still great. Uh, and he has that rocket form that we talked about that I think is going to be, might be important this week. I, I want to go back to the well one more time with him at the very worst. 
I think his floor is high. I just I just think this is going to be the week where Reeve, because we've been on him, like my my worry was that I was just going to go on him again because people are going to be off after the lit down. He was fourth going into the final round here two years ago, finished 11th. I can just see him start going 250 yards into the water. Like it eventually just comes falling to pieces. But it's very anecdotal. Like there's no real thing but substance behind it. I just, it feels like Chez Reeve's missed his little window that he had. He may, he may have, he may have. It's just, it's just morphed into Glover for me. That's my concern for Glover as well. Like, did he miss his chance now? Is it too late? I think, and I do think it's a possibility. I lean that it, that it isn't, but if he sucks, it's not going to be incredibly surprising to me because he had those events are the events that he wins. Yeah, I, I've just been on Reeve for one week longer than Glover, so I'll be off Glover next week. So yeah. we shall see. One of them could, you know, well, they could both miss the cut. Who knows? Um Is Quest still going to be popular? Probably a little bit. Yeah, can forget about that then. I'm on it. Sam, Sam Bennett, interesting. Um, Sam Bennett. Uh, 29 for the Rocky Mortgage, great off the tee. Yeah, he's been playing pretty good. Um, he was, I, he was I, bad at Barracuda, but I don't ever care. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big Bennett guy. Fair. I think Grayson Sig was good here before. Yeah, but he was really bad last week. Was he? Okay. Like I don't, I don't know what happened to him. I so basically I played him first round leader, which could definitely just be playing into my mind here. But like he was, he was awful. He missed the cut. Um, he looked like he was in good form and just didn't do anything. But maybe just Barracuda wasn't the greatest place for him. Jeez, Taylor Montgomery sucks. Ah, oh, fuck that guy. I don't care. Jesus, Billy Horschel, seventy-one hundred. Yeah, like is that a good play? <laughs> We talk about no. just playing guys because no one else is. Like, is that just doing it for the sake of it? He's like the 7,100 Justin, Justin Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. So, no, leave it alone. Davis Thompson's 7,100. I like a lot. Um, He gained a shitload of, uh, lost a shitload of strokes on approach at the John Deere, which I, concerns me a bit. It did. And, but I, so he's fifth on the season in par five scoring average. He's, I think, 22nd in strokes gain off the tee. He's gaining off the tee regularly. And he just seems to have kind of steadied the ship after a really bad run. Uh, so he missed the cut of the US Open, but he was only, like, I think, one or two shots out. Travelers, same situation. Gained an approach at Rocky Mortgage and off the tee and putting, finished 24th. Terrible with irons and then finished 31st at John Deere. I could just see him finding his irons here after putting himself in some favorable positions. Yeah, he could. He could, but I just something just dawned on me, and it's a change of uh, subject. Okay. But Stuart Sink isn't doesn't he win the week after majors? Yeah, but isn't he playing in the senior thing? No, I, ha- I have him listed here. Why is he not in the senior open? Because I think he's he's in great form. Oh he, yeah, seven k. Maybe he just doesn't get into the senior open yet. Just to qualify. Gained, oh, yeah. He gained over two strokes on approach at the at the Open. I remember seeing him on TV doing pretty good. Um, week after a major, the guy absolutely pipes it, even though he's old as hell. Uh, maybe he makes sense. Well, that was after, that's why he had his little renaissance, right? So he's 46th on debut, 24th going into the weekend, 24th last year, 13th going into Sunday after a Saturday 65. Stuart sinks the play. What are his betting odds? Uh, you probably because you know he was playing up until 10 seconds ago, so I can tell no. you. Well, I did. I, I did see him, but I thought it was a mistake. <laughs> I thought he. I thought he'd just be playing in the seniors. 
100 to 1. Yeah. 160 on bet 365. Okay. I don't have that. I, I might not bet them, but I think I'm going to play them. So we get 175 to 1, and we can have eight places each way for the UK listeners. Um, free money. Free money. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Stuart Sink. Best, both best golf town ever. Yeah. Uh, what, is he like, like 53 years old? Yeah. I mean, you had 47 year old Henry Stenson last week. Are you, are you right. just like are you just like a old age pensioner's like sympathizer? Like, do you work in a care home or something? What's the male version of a cougar? Someone goes looking up, looking yeah. up for old guys. You go for looking out. You go out for looking out for old men. Like, yeah, silver foxes. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm concerned. Yep. If I if I didn't, I would say if I didn't see your face right now, I'd be concerned. But I feel like I'm more concerned. I can see your face because of the expression <laughs> you're pulling while you're saying it. Like it's almost it's pretty deadpan. Oh yeah, I I do like Stu. I do like Stu, even though I don't like his son. What's wrong with his son? Ah, I'm just not into him. The the, the whole story. <laughs> that was okay, he's too young for you. Too young. <laughs> he needs to mature a little bit. He needs that hairline to recede before I'm interested. Yeah. God, Brian Harmon's right up your street in five years' time. Yeah, yeah, actually, I don't like Harmon either. Though. I don't. I, I don't. Know, I'm strange. It's, it's it's certain things that get me going, but um. So far, it's been, so far, it's been Luba Dayberg, Vincent Norman, and Stuart Sink. They're all tall, though. Oh, Lucas Glover being beaten up by his wife. I like my silver foxes to be tall. <laughs> Kevin Streelman's not tall. No, I don't like Streelman or Parman. He, he was next on the list. Um, anyone else in the 7K range? No. no I don't think so either. Let's go 6K. Um, Chad Ramey's been playing well. Hasn't played here yet, so not necessarily sure. I don't not quite know what Ramey is. Like, is he just a good putter? Is that it? Um, no, he's not even a good putter, so I don't know what he's good at. I think he just sucks, to be honest with you. I'm out. 38, 17th, 42nd, 44th, 17th, his last five starts. So he's just making cuts. I quite like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, he can make some cuts for you, but I think in this range you can find some players who – can do better than that. Yeah, we think so. So you like Troy Merritt again? Yeah, I like Troy Merritt again. I, I mean, I, I don't get the monumental shift in public perception and odds on him. He's still gaining strokes and all uh, on approach over and over again. Wasn't great at Bar- um, Barracuda, but I don't really care. Genesis, he missed the cut in Scotland, but that was like a late last minute he got in the field. I don't really care about that. 17th at Rocket. I just think. His iron's been really, really good lately. I think his betting price at 200 to 1 is just too big. I don't understand why he got moved to that. Yeah, no, I get it. James Hahn's playing better, isn't he? Oh, I love Hahn this week. I, I was thinking about betting him. Um, I'm definitely going to be betting first-round leader. So he was fourth here last year, finished 67-65, mm-hmm. opened with a 69. So a round of 70 absolutely killed him, which is you know ridiculous and kind of shows you Although there is tough things around here, you do need to be in the 60s all four days to to have a chance. Um, he was sixth last week at the Barracuda. Yeah, he was he was really good. He was hot, real hot yesterday. 35th at the John Deere, 57th at the Canadian Open. Open um, with a 69 was 14th after round one there. I like Hart. Do you have stats for that for last week? Uh, I haven't got. There's no straight game dates, but is there any stats? Let's have a look at. Tour tips here for in running stuff because he chipped in from like a mile away. I'm just wondering if it was smoke and mirrors. 
It could be, but like, I don't think James Harden needs to see anything to like. He just gets a bit of confidence and he's all right. Yeah. Uh, so let's have a look. Uh, James Hahn. He was 31st in driving distance, 19th in driving accuracy, 46th in greens regulation, 14th in scrambling, 9th in sand sands, 57th in putting average. Okay, not bad. So it's pretty balanced. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him a lot here. I think he could um, play pretty well. So I, I like he's definitely going to be my I'm going to play a lot of him. I have a, I have a really good feel on him. And another guy I looked at was Chesson. I know it looks terrible on paper. While you have that up, can you see what he did? Because he got he went he was really hot on Sunday. I don't know if you saw my video I posted. Of uh, <laughs> I don't ever want to see your videos you post these days. <laughs> it was uh he was putting in the I think it was um Johnson Wagner was t- talking and he was like if I know one thing that this putt is gonna scare the hole. And it was like no, eight, is that, is that he completely missed it for like five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like ten feet, like yeah. ten inches left. It was absolutely hilarious. Um. He was but, good. He was 20th in driving distance, 14th in driving accuracy, full, uh, 10th in greens in regulation, 8th in scrambling. I don't know how accurate these are because I don't know where they've come from, but these are just what we've got on tour tips. You should put up fake stats just for people <laughs> to go on. <laughs> I'm always worried, though. Like, if I make a mistake on, like, a stat, people are going to think I do that, and it's completely not true. Like, I try and be as accurate as I can with some things, but I've definitely made mistakes in the past, and, like, you think, oh, God, like, I've just led someone down a really bad well. I think I'm in on Chesson. He was 10th here in 2022. He was good at the Rocket a few weeks ago. He played well yesterday, played well over the uh, weekend at the Barracuda. Um, he seems like a – he hasn't been playing well, but I think he's the type of guy who – he's like a heat check guy. You know, a basketball – you got to see it go through the hoop once. And I think a nice low Sunday yesterday and a good good round, I think he can get right back into it. So the thing on – the narrative on Chesson Hadley, he's bubble boy, right? Like he always needs to play well here in the Wyndham to get in. Um, yeah which he did once. He's not going to do it this year because it's 70 rather than 125. But I guess just the time of year just might suit him. And it might what just if be... He wins? Well, if he's in, but he's not fucking doing that. Um, he can top 20. Yeah, I, I like him. Trevor Cohn. Trevor Cohn. Just look at look at his stats of John Deere and the Barbasol. Obviously, Barbasol he needed one, but just look at them. The John, Deere, even the Rocket Mortgage, like look at his off the tee numbers. Yeah, really, really good. He's first off the tee in this field in his last twenty four rounds. And he's got better of approach every week. I don't know what he did at the Barracuda, but yeah, he makes a lot of sense, especially if people aren't noticing it. Yeah, I like him, and I like Marty Do. Back to the future. I do too. I like Marty Do as well. I had him start here. He was good at Rocket, which we know makes some sense. Like his hat. I just like him. Like I just, yeah. I like, I, I just like the fact that his name's not Marty, but he calls himself Marty to help these ignorant people. And that's my favorite uh, thing about the Asian community: how they just give yeah, themselves like, just, a name. Just call me Tom, and his name is Ju Young. Yeah, I, want to, I, I want to go to China and be like, call me something else. Yeah, call me, Jing, call me Jing Jing Jing. Like, yeah, I think He's it's like, amazing. I think they have a list of American names, and they're like. Uh, I'm going to go with this one. Which one sounds the coolest? Yeah. Have you, have you ever seen, I don't know if it ever got to your shores. Have you ever seen, you know, like Ricky Gervais? Yeah, yeah. Have you, do you know Carl Pilkinson, the guy that he does some work with? The bald no. guy. Okay, so 
there's a program you should definitely watch called Idiot Abroad, right? And he's just me if you can't holiday. But he goes to China and he asks for his name to be like written out on like, or his partner's name to be written out on those scroll things. Yeah. And he's saying the names and he's going, oh, Carl. And they're going, Carl. And he's going, no, it's Carl. <laughs> and they're going, Carla. And they're like, no, it's Carl. <laughs> he's going, yeah. this, right? Anyway, so they finally draw it out for him and then he just holds it up and he goes, like, this could just be complete bullshit. Like it could be, they could have written anything. And he's like, I don't even know which way around this bit. He's just going like this. And that just makes, I just think of that. Like, that's funny. That that just goes to two of our conversations. One, the name thing, but also the stats, the people making up the stats. It could be made up. Yeah. If Chesson Hadley could have had, you know, greens and reg, who the hell knows? Someone could just write it, write down something random. I believe it. By the way, as well, I absolutely know that these, how bad these golf stats go. I went to live the, what was it? Three weeks ago now. And I watched someone tag the wrong ball for the wrong player. Jeez. Well, I use those stats religiously. So that's... Yeah, so, yeah, don't. I mean, I guess it gets corrected by the time they've had a little um, crowdsource between them. But a guy just walks up to him and someone's like, oh, yeah, this is so-and-so. And I was like, nope, that was not him. Like, he was, it was 20 yards back there because he doesn't hit it 340 yards like PCU line does. Um, and it was, yeah, it was quite funny. Um that, that definitely of, happens on, on PJ's website. Speaking of quite funny, this is a great segue into another guy I like in the 6Ks. Yeah, we should get that. Some people think the highlight of full swing was Rory saying, fuck you, Phil. Some people think it was Damon and his caddy. To me, the highlight was reliving Piercy just going in the water from the bunker <laughs> and completely shitting his pants. Went from like a four-shot lead to a five-shot deficit in 10 minutes. But... What he, he, he's he's down here at 6800. Yeah, my my partner was watching me the other time. Just kept going, oh no, every time he hit a shot, and they just perfectly summed up Scott Piercy's career. Like she actually felt sorry for him. I was like, oh, if only you knew. Like if only you I knew about cackling, Scott Piercy. Cackling the entire time. He's, he's so he's been gaining strokes in approach. He's been gaining strokes off the tee. Like maybe he, you know, well, I mean. The, the fourth here wasn't like an accident. He was 15th on his debut and opened 62 to lead after round one. So that 62 that I said about Glover being um, the course record, it's at least tied if it is. It's, I, I just don't know about Scott Pierce. He's like, he's not been a good approach the last few weeks. But he hasn't been bad either. He's got withdraw, withdraw, cut, cut. Oh, hey, has he? Yeah. I think the withdrawals don't show up here for me. That's why. Yeah, he's gone withdraw to Travellers, withdraw to John Deere, cut, cut. All right, never mind then. He, he lost almost five strokes on approach when he withdrew from the John Deere. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I guess. that's that's why I was off on Scott Pearcey when I looked. Now I know. Um, Russell Knox is going to do something soon. I don't know if he's here. Russell Knox. It's probably not going to be here considering he's missed two cuts, but... He was 20th after round one the last time he played here and then missed the cut. And then he opened with 76 and then shot second round 67. So he's got a very love-hate relationship with his golf course. But Is he definitely in the field? Yeah. Not even showing up for me. 6,600. But he's gone He's gone 49th, 47th, 57th, 33rd, 47th. Yeah, not listed in, in my thing here. I don't know why. Maybe he's pulled out. Um. Or maybe this is just not updated, but either way, I'm not going to play him. Okay, it doesn't matter then. Um, I don't know. What I think it's about it. I have some guys that I'm going to be playing. I'm... 
Well, Frankie Kappen's playing really well on the Corn Ferry Tour, and he's like a local guy. People are going to go to him at 6,500. But he's been like third, sixth, fourth, 14th on the Corn Ferry in recent weeks, and he's from this area. So that's an interesting one. Frankie Kappen the third. He's 23, he's 23 years old. Um, soon to be 24. But he's looking good. Okay, that makes sense. I, I mean, so far, I mean, it looks like not many people are clicking his name, but that will change, I think. I mean, look, it's all relative. Like, it'll still be two percent or something. There's even anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, someone who I did have a little bit of a thing on. Oh no, right, Knox is there now. Okay, he just refreshed and he's there. Okay, good. Um, Bryce Garnett is twenty third, twenty sixth, sixteenth, and thirty third here in four starts. Yep. Recent starts, miscut, 33rd, miscut, 47, 68, 77, 33rd. He's making cuts, generally speaking. He's missed two of his last three, but he's otherwise been pretty good. I just, I feel like he's on a get you through the cut, 6,500. He could be. Yeah, I, I did a little like a mini rankings of this course and Rocket Mortgage combined to see who plays well, and he popped up on there. I noticed that. Um, Barbasol, did he play last week? Yeah, missed the cut. Okay. Um, I'm probably out, but I get it. Um. Yeah, I think I'm done. Like we're just naming names here now. We've already gone down little um, paths that we didn't need to go down. So why do it on golfers? Why is Brian Gay not playing the seniors? I don't know, but another, but back to to um the making up names thing. Yeah. Kevin Yu is another guy we we kind of skipped over, but he statistically seems pretty good. Yeah, he's getting he's uh, saw him name a couple of times. The best thing. thing he was the guy. No, he wasn't. Who was the guy that was off injured for a little bit? And then that was him. It was him. Yep. Yeah. So he went from Pebble Beach to Travelers, didn't he? And then he's great off the tee, like unbelievable. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like he's a one. Is he a little bit of a one trick pony? Yeah, I think so. But that's okay. Like in a pretty but weak. He takes it to John Deere, which I think is relatively set. Similar to this course, Data Golf has it as the most uh, similar course. Mr. Cut it Scottish, and now everyone might be. Well, I'm not gonna say everyone's off him because I think he's still gonna be relatively popular. But I don't mind him. And I, I'm also gonna say, if I could pick any name when I came to America, Kevin wouldn't be the name I choose. <laughs> no. <laughs> what, what the, what's his, his name? Not Yu Wu Chan or something as well. Chanan Yu. Yeah, so he's pretty like exotic, and he's gonna be Kevin. Kevin. I like Marty is a is a good. Marty's Someone. great. I wonder where you like. Does it just depend on what like? So he went to Arizona. He went to Arizona, <laughs> but he landed in Arizona State. Like, is there just a lot of Kevin's in Arizona? There could be. It doesn't seem like an Arizona name though. I think they give him a database, and you can only give one per guy. So once one's taken, you can't have another one with the same one. Yeah. Actually, he looks incredibly popular now that I look at it. Yeah, like I'm out if he's popular. Tano Goy is making cuts, but I don't know why he would be great here, but he's making cuts. No. No. I like Russell Knox. Okay. Oh, and did we talk about this off air? We like Aaron Van Roy, no? Yeah, I mean, this is the place I, what I was saying was when two years ago we come to this event, he was like incredibly popular. He went to the University of Minnesota, so everyone liked that, and he was actually are horrific and i think he's been horrific each time here hasn't he he finished like 58 the second time or something he and he played good good yesterday yeah i could see him in the mix he's a boomer bus guy if you uh he can finish in the top 10 or could come in dead last i think van Rooyen can win he can win yeah he can win yeah okay 
that's it. We've given some no names. We've explored different cultures. We've talked about what gets you going. So we've covered all bases at the 3M Open. We have spoken for one hour and 15 minutes and 31 seconds and counting on probably the worst event of the season. Yeah, I mean, I like this event. I like this course. Um, but yes. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> uh, let's summarize our picks. 10K and above if you've got to go there. Have you decided whether you're fading this yet or not? Or are you gonna wait? I, I believe I'm going to. Unless nobody plays Kim Young, then I might play him. Yeah. Um, but as of now, I'm playing nobody. If I had to pick one, Cam Young. Cam Young. Yeah, I just don't trust Fee now, and that Matsy Arm is not really paying off 10k prices at the moment. What do you like? How do you? Where do you go if you start Cam Young? What's the next guy in? Had what if what if Hideki just said my name's now going to be Steve Matsuyama? <laughs> Steve, no one would play him. Yeah, exactly. Um, next, I would go. Yeah, I'd probably go. Um, I mean, you'd probably go into a narrative. I, I wouldn't mind going young um, Davis. Yeah. Cool. Let's go into the 9Ks. Uh, I like Grillo, and I'm going to stick to it. I like it. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Ludwig. I know he's going to be really popular, but he's my guy. 8K. I do like Hadwin with you. We love Glover. But I, I'm going to go with Norman, because I don't think people are going to play him as much. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I, like, I love Hadwin. I like Rogers. He's really grown on me. We both love Glover. Those are my three. Let's go with three guys in the seven cakes. I think it could be really important. So I'm going to go. I'm going to start it with Svensson at 7-4, Garrick Higo at 7-4, and I am going to go with. I thought I had like a really good play in here that we talked about. I can't find the one I'm scrolling. Higo? Yeah, I said him. Swenson, Higo. I guess I like Swenson, Higo, and Gim all at the same price. Let's go with that. The three, seven, four guys. Thompson, oh, no. D- no, Davis Thompson was the other guy. Sorry. So Swenson, Higo, Thompson. Um, Pendrith. I didn't mention this, but I like Pendrith a lot. Yeah. He's starting to play well. Um, Pendrith. Chez, I'm going to try one more time. And that's it. I just pick arbitrary numbers of guys from each range that I choose, no matter what, how many you tell me to take. Yeah. Uh, this was my point, though. Like, isn't um, Cam Davis just Taylor Pendrith? Yeah. So you're getting yeah. the same guy for 1,500 less or whatever it is. Yeah, and I, I like Pendrith a lot. I think he can win. Yeah, cool. Uh, 6K, we are going with – I'm just going to do two from here because it was tough. Um Marcy Do, which started a completely different conversation I thought I was going to have tonight, and Eric Van Royen. Okay, I'm going to go Merritt, who I still like, uh, the Assassin, James Hahn, and Marty Do. The Assassin. Um, oh, another person, just quickly, which is, I can't believe we're going overtime on the free and open. Michael Gligic is three for three for made cuts here, and he's 6,100. He's made his last two cuts. Interesting. Um, let's see, what has he been doing? He's gone, he's 62nd at the Barbasol and 50th at the Barracuda. Like, he's not pulling up trees, but he's also 39th at the Mexico Open. He was absolutely woeful on approach of John Deere. I think that's probably the worst numbers I've ever seen in my entire life in terms of straight scan approach numbers. But he's great at his golf course. He is, but uh, 
No. But he's not great at being golf. Oh, but, and, I, and but, I love I love Chesson too. I forgot to say that. Oh yeah, Chesson Hadley, the big inflatable outside your car they look at. Um, cool. I think that's it. Any final yeah. sweeping statements, Matt? Yeah, I do have one. Oh. Just because I saw his name, Michael Kim. How dare Michael Kim say that Cam Smith up and down on the road hole at at St Andrews was overrated? He was doing so well. That's that's ridiculous. I mean, I would love to see him try to do that to try to win an Open Championship. But what did it, what was his justification? Because I didn't really read it. I just once I saw it's overrated, I didn't bother expanding the tweet. Wasn't it something along the lines of like he could see the flag, he was right at the bunker, he really wasn't anything else he could do, or something like that. He said it wasn't that hard of a putt. He said the balls don't really feed down to the bunker. Then I saw someone right beneath it post a video of Rory from the exact same spot putting it in the bunker. I think I think some people get a little bit high on their own shit and think they can just tweet anything at the end of the week. Like, Michael Kim was doing great work. He was doing it for the community. He was doing a lot of stuff on the golf course. And then he just goes, bang, I'm going to say this stupid thing. Yeah, it, and it was stupid. I just want to say I think it was stupid, and I do believe. I know I got a little bit of pushback on this, but not too much. I do believe that up and down is the best up and down in the history of golf. Uh, I'm not. I have the worst memory. So like chip-ins pick, don't count. Yeah, so I have the worst memory because, like, you know, when they tell you to be a cold fish and forget things really easy, I do. So it doesn't matter. Um, you can DM me later if you think of one that you think is. Better. Yeah, I will. But like. All I can think of is like chip ins rather than up and downs, which is a different conversation. So I'm just thinking of like Tiger at the Masters and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't count. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, my final statement. So this, so Barstool Golf, right? I like Barstool. I actually I really. Don't. Okay. I enjoy Barstool Golf. I enjoy the Breaking 90 series with Trent and all those sort of things, right? So I think they brought Dan Rappaport in to be more legit. Like, I think they wanted a golf reporter. It was actually a golf reporter. He's let himself get so... He's downgraded himself so much. Like, he's gone from really serious to I'm going to join in with talking shit. That he's completely lost his way. Yep. Um, he, he talks so much shit. And, like, the thing is with him is, like, he was the one. So, for example, Riggs said yesterday, now I've seen Brian Harmer win an Open, I think that Tiger Woods can win a major. And that was the worst take I've ever seen in my entire life. But, Mm -hmm. like, he's just Tiger Woods' mate, or he thinks he's Tiger Woods' mate. So I can see why he would say something stupid like that. Like, he's just meant to tweet those sort of things out. Dan Rappaport is meant to be good at talking about golf. And he's just shit. I'm, I'm glad you're finally seeing that picture because anyone who follows me knows um, Dan Rappaport's one of my biggest enemies. And it's I, I don't mean to pick on him, which it, it does look like, because every time he says something, I just shit on him. But I just think he is a fraud. I don't think he's he's a good... But he was golf. good. Yeah, but he, yeah, when, he, when he was... Yeah, before he was with Barstool, he was good. But he was in the mold of... I, I think it goes to, like you're saying, he's trying to be something that he's not. Yeah, I just don't like. I thought they got him there to just be what he was before and add a little bit of legitimacy. And he's, I think he's taking it upon himself to fit in, which hasn't worked. Let them be the guys that they were because they were good at it. When I read his tweets, I have to cover 97% of my eyesight because I just, 
pre-cringe before I even click on the name. Because what he says is most of the time incredibly cringeworthy. And now you look at his, his, his tweets, everything below it is a negative comment. Yeah, but everyone agrees, yeah. But like the people have turned on him. Yeah, but like he wrote probably one of the best articles I've ever seen in golf about Morgan Hoffman. Like he went to Costa Rica and followed the, yep. the story to Morgan Hoffman. Like it was great. Drank his own and, urine. Yeah. And like <laughs> yeah, another weird story, but I, I quite like Morgan Hoffman. And but he was just like he just talks I can't even I'm trying to find the, the things that like bothered me the most, but like, he's just been bad. You know what? I added this yesterday. No one, no one caught this, but Justin Ray was tweeting about how a bunch of people are stealing his stats and passing it off as their own. Yeah. And I, I found an example of Rappaport doing that, and I shared it under the, underneath um, Justin Ray's tweet. Everyone does like, like, everyone, everyone does like, it. Like, I just quote his tweets. It's just easier. Like, I don't need That's to share his tweet. Just, yeah. Like, yeah. He obviously wants the tweet to be shared, right? It's not to be shared without people saying it was him. Um just trying to think of the things that were really bothering me like and he's like a year late to every take so here's another one he said something about how um the right so after the open the Ryder cup just got a lot more interesting like <laughs> what the hell are you talking about the, the, i i've been saying Euro, european team is going to win for the last year but i mean uh i don't think anything that happened at the open makes the Ryder cup more interesting because now you have Harmon or whatever like i i don't he tweeted, like, this is one that kind of, and this probably shouldn't have been a trigger point, but like he was like, I've hammered Cantley for not consenting in majors in earnest, been tied 14th for best in his last five, but never closer than five off the lead going into Sunday. Wikipedia finishes. If you're world number four, you simply have to be better. Finally gets off to a good start today at one under. That wasn't a great start. Like he was like 20th. It's still the same problem. I mean, it was one of his better starts, but that like, it wasn't tweet worthy. And that was the um, tweet that he stole from Justin Ray. Right, okay. The stat that he stole. Because he's, like, never been better than that after round one? or no, As in, like, the final, the final round five strokes thing? Word for word, he stole it. I mean, because you, um, like, you couldn't go and find that on your own. Like, or you wouldn't. Especially Rapport. He's not going to look for that started five, five whatever, whatever it was that he said. Um, yeah. Justin Ray's tweet was, um, there's two ways to look at it. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now. There's two ways to look at it. The positive is that Cantley hasn't finished worse than tied for 14th in the last five major starts. The negative is that he's never been five shots to lead going into the Sunday. That was almost word for word the same thing, wasn't it? Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then he quotes, so Sam Harrop is someone that we like over here. Um, yeah, I know. He's, he's, he's been great. He's been on our podcast, et cetera. So Sam tweets saying, since Cyril catching flat later, he's on course antics. And I think what Maricron notes is important. I personally like someone who shows emotion for his outburst after a bad shot break. I'm never to the detriment of his playing partners. Like, and then he's like, by and large, guys enjoy playing material for the same reason we like watching him. It's insane as hell, not that deep. I can't. I imagine there are some people that don't care. Yeah, some people definitely care. Like you're going to tell me that like that wouldn't piss off Brooks? Yeah, no, it definitely would. And I think it seemed like he's just dismissive of what Sam kind of said too. Like, yeah. Um, uh, there, I mean, I think we could probably go on for hours about things that um that he's that he's done. But I think that he's said. I just think it's gotten, you know, 
it's gotten bad and I'm, I'm i'm happy that people are finally coming around to see it well I, I just i just didn't like i just i felt like it was a really good move for them to bring him in because i thought they were bringing in a guy that was going to do a load of golf reporting that just gave them the legitim- legitimacy that they needed like they were always good at what they did but nothing else and he's just joining in with them and it doesn't work like it's just no, it's so. just the wrong thing like frankie and and Trent are infinitely funnier than you. So just let them be infinitely funnier than you, and you're not very good at that. Just, just be good at what you're good at, which is apparently stating people's stats. But he was, <laughs> he was good at like journalism. Yeah, no, I, I completely get that. And I, I do. I, when I say I don't like Barstool, I do. I don't mind Trent and um, Frankie. I don't like Riggs, and I don't like Dan. Yeah, yeah, I just like Riggs is just what he is like i think he's gonna be the one that people find annoying because he's the main face of it like it's very easy to like frankie and drink because they don't have to be the ones i guess that do right. the presenting that they have the annoying voice etc they just have the best series on barstool like they get to play in those things where when they did the scrambles and like he couldn't chip and Trent was just shit at golf like i just relate to that because i'm shit at golf but like I, I enjoy their content so yeah interesting it's interesting we're talking about completely different stuff rather than the three M open, but it's yeah, like this this was a weird one. This weather is everything young, Ram, etc. could have hoped for. Harmon has, by his own admission, an active mind and can struggle to quiet the noise. Any golfer knows how much more of a mental challenge it is when it's horrible weather. He'll have to earn it big time. He's five shots clear. The rain yeah. is shit for everybody. Why would that make it work? Like, I don't it I was like they were trying to yeah, they, they, it was the worst. Like they could have, I thought they were going to set it up to be really easy on Sunday and hope the weather was good, so that Ram, Young, and Rory could go at him. Right. I, I mean, the opposite is true because if the conditions were easy, he could Harmon could shoot even even par and lose. That's the yeah. only way he he yeah. loses. Like he was never going to. As I said to you off air before we came on, like he was never going to shoot five six over. He didn't look like he had that because he didn't he he didn't hit it far enough to get dangerous. And yes, it was raining. And okay, you say he has an active mind. The people were literally shouting at him to lose, and he used it as fuel to win. Like we think he's going to be bothered by a few raindrops. It was weird. Weird take. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, and we'll be on the lookout for more things going on. But uh, if, if well, people maybe, are like, I'm sorry about that. Maybe we should do a damn rough report tracker. We should. We should. You've got your, you've got your own, so why can't he have one? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. My takes are crazy enough to get a tracker, so his, his should be too. Yeah, there we go. Matt, we've put the world to rights today. We've covered geographical challenges, nicknames, domestic abuse. Yes, all of it, all of it. Um, next week, we'll do it again. Old man fetishes. Old man fetishes. That was, yeah, that was the strangest part of the podcast, I think. So... There we go. If anyone's got this far, then you've had, you've heard it all. Um, Matt, enjoyed it as ever, and uh, I'll see you again next week. All right, let's win some money.